I'm Peter. And I'm Felice. Welcome to our travel podcast. We're specialist travel writers and we've spent half a lifetime exploring every corner of the world. So we want to share with you some of our extraordinary experiences and the amazing people we've met along the way. This week we're in Val d'Isère for our final fling of, of winter 22-23. One ski season ends and another begins, as the lifts finally close on what has been, snow-wise, a near disastrous season in low-lying resorts. This is probably an appropriate moment to take a detailed look ahead at what this roller coaster of a winter may mean for the future of skiing in Europe. We're not talking here about some distant decade, but the current one, like this coming December or January, or the following one, Will there be enough snow when I go? Well, that depends on so many factors. Oddly, this past one has been a bumper year for some tour operators and terrible for others. Altitude is the key word. We'll come back to that in a minute. Peter, you've probably written about snow conditions and skiing in general over the years more than anyone else in the UK. How do you see the future? Well, certainly I've been pontificating on the subject for almost half a century, but I still can't read the future. I know no more than anyone else, but... Experience does allow me to make a few pointers. Back in the 1970s, I could never have imagined that we would be having this conversation. But times are changing, and the pace seems to be quickening. As a general rule, snow arrives in the higher resorts in November, with a handful of them opening their lifts for very dedicated skiers. The majority of destinations follow in mid-December, in time for the holiday season. By then, there should be enough cover. The main flood of visitors then continues in most places until... About two weeks after Easter, that's when the biggest UK tour operators switch their flights to the summer destinations, which is a much larger, more lucrative operation for them. Yes, well, that's how it used to be when Mother Nature played ball. But now we've got to face it, snowfall in autumn in the Alps and the Pyrenees is becoming, I believe, increasingly unreliable. This last December, many resorts had to delay their openings altogether. A few even, humiliatingly, had to close again just after they'd opened. Mountain biking, hiking and even tennis in December are certainly no substitute for snow cover. Sure, over the years, from time to time, we've been here before. There's some fairly compelling evidence that the potential ski season has shifted forwards, with less snow falling before Christmas and more snow falling in late April and indeed in early May. But, that apart, higher temperatures are taking their toll on skiing, and quite dramatically so. With glacier melt, the continued loss of permafrost is now prevalent across the whole of the Alps. We should probably mention Norway here. While the Alps suffered over last Christmas with ribbons of artificial snow cutting across the green mountainsides, the Norwegians enjoyed their best start to winter in generations. Yes, indeed, their cover over the holiday period was fantastic, but sadly this one-off doesn't detract from the gloomy overall picture. Let's go back to the altitude word. Across the relatively low-lying Austrian Alps, it's no secret that resorts in the Tyrol are looking to expand their marketing as summer destinations. Ski resorts in the French Pyrenees, the Jura and the Grand Massif, along with lower ones in the Alps, have serious question marks over their immediate futures. Running a lift system, even more so now with the energy crisis, is mind-bogglingly expensive. Personally, I predict a trickle of resort closures becoming a steady stream in the years to come. Climate change in the Alps will probably mean more precipitation, with this falling as rain in the lower resorts and as snow only in the highest resorts. And by that I mean in ski areas above 2,000 or even 2,500 metres. So where does that leave us? Chavigna in Italy, that's been a ski resort since the 1930s, so it's not new. The skiing's good for beginners there, 
but the immediate slopes above the resort lack challenge for competent skiers, and it's not really very picturesque either. In fact, the whole place could do with a facelift, and that's exactly what it's now getting. Yes, I was there this winter, and the whole place is bustling. It's got new hotels, including a magnificent five-star, and they're springing up all over the place. They've invested £13.5 million in recent years in their snowmaking. £13.5 million. They're spending £80 million on new lifts, and a further £100 million has been earmarked for future development of the lift system. Tuminia opened its Alpine Crossing this summer, a direct all-year link to Zermatt in Switzerland. It's also looking to link up with Champluc and the Italian Monte Rosa ski area. Incredibly, this will be the heart of what will then be one of the three largest link ski areas in the world. Which one of these will actually be the biggest depends, of course, on how you measure the size of a ski area. This involves a, a level of honesty, accuracy and transparency and self-description that most resorts are not too strong on. But Chavinia's story is showing great faith in skiing having a future, isn't it? Again, we're back with the word altitude. Yeah, I love skiing. I'm still passionate about it. It's been and remains a major part of my life. But how do I see the future of it in Europe? Of course, it will still go on long into the distant future in high-altitude villages. But in commercial terms, my vision is that our perception of the ski holiday, with all its trappings and enjoyment and entertainment, will centre on a diminishing handful of sophisticated high-altitude super hubs with the required hotels and restaurants and shops and nightclubs, and along with a giant ski area where snow cover is guaranteed for the entire season. Chavigno is, of course, one of those super hubs. And the others? Valterance, of course, Zermatt and Val d'Isère, combined with neighbouring Teen. Is that really all? Well, no. Now, of course, there are other resorts with big ski areas, for, for sure. I mean, take a look at La Plaine, Les Arcs. St. Anton, I don't know, St. Moritz, Davos, Sestria in Italy. But I'm talking not just about the high resorts, but places where most of the ski area is above 2,500 metres, and that severely limits the choice. You could ski in loads of resorts, but ask yourself the question, am I prepared to book a chalet or a hotel in one of these now, at Christmas, New Year, or even January, in the absolute certainty that there will be good snow when I get there? What makes a place like Val d'Isère so special? What makes it stand out from the pack? We met up with veteran British resident John Yates-Smith. So, John, you are the expert on Val d'Isère. You've been living here for how long? 47 years. That's a long time. It is a long and time. you do know you speak rather good French, don't you? Not as good as it should be, but I can make myself understood. And you know lots of people. You are, you are you know, very much part of the resort. Well... I think I am, but most of the locals, I don't get offered a cup of coffee in any local restaurants or anything like that, so I'm, I'm not really a part of it. I'm still a foreigner. Well, you'll always be a foreigner in, in, a, in a place like this. And that's not just this resort, it's in, in all resorts. You must have seen so many changes here. What are the biggest ones? Well, I've hardly been aware of the changes because they've come in gradually over those years. So people who haven't been here for 20 years come back and say, my God, it's changed. And I look around and think, well... What's changed? So it's been a slow... I, I think Val d'Isère has really retained its old spirit. It's remained a little village 
with a few local families and a very, very nice attitude to, towards tourists. In my 47 seasons, no one has ever said, hey, roast beef, why don't you go home? No one. I mean, if a Frenchman went and lived in a British resort for 47 years, he'd get <laughs> things thrown through his letterbox and everything. And people have been amazingly nice to me and my brother set up a nightclub here and the other nightclub owners Dick's Tea Bar yeah the other nightclub owners helped him carry his bar into the nightclub so I mean it's people here are surprisingly nice and that hasn't changed the actual ski area hasn't really grown I don't think but the skiing's great everywhere now much better when I first came there were patches of mud and rocks and things you don't get that now and the resort has gone a little more upmarket. There are all these five-star hotels and incredibly expensive restaurants. But there are still cheap places to stay and cheap restaurants. So although rich people love coming here now, you don't have to be rich to come. So I think Val hasn't changed as much as people think it has. I think that's very true, certainly on the prices. You can pay a quite enormous amount of money for a main course in a restaurant here. You can also buy a bottle of wine. We went last night to Le Bambou, mm, a, a totally. little oriental restaurant they opened a couple of years ago, and a bottle of excellent Cote d'Iron in there, 24 euros. Now, you yeah. can't find that in most ski resorts in no. France. No, and I don't know why. Somehow Val d'Isère has never been arrogant. It's never, you, you know, you, you would think it would be probably rather arrogant about Val d'Isère, but the Val d'Isère people are not. Well, it's they, not like Courcheval or Megève or Absolutely. I don't think people here think they're anything special. And um, no one's ever said to me, oh, God, you're lucky you're coming to Val d'Isere, aren't you? Isn't it a wonderful place? No one's ever said that. Well, now we're reaching a stage where as we move into a world of global warming, which we have to accept in some respects, or perhaps it's only a cyclical thing. But we've had a very, very mixed winter in the Alps here. For most resorts, it started very, very late with uh, no snow over Christmas and fairly intermittent falls since. Valdez has been a bit different, hasn't it? It got off to a bad start because it was a bad start being in November. Mm. But one week, the first week, had to be delayed. And indeed, the mayor told me the other day that in future they would always be starting at the beginning of December. Really? They used to do courses. I remember they used to do pumps courses and powder courses and things in November. And that... That hasn't happened for many years now. So it does seem as though the season's moving later. But we had good snow through December, actually. After that late start, the skiing was very good. And then we had a five-week period when we didn't see a cloud. And the skiing below the mid-stations in the afternoon was quite difficult. It was pretty icy. But the whole resort was fantastic in the morning. You could ski down the Fasta Belvoir in the morning. It was absolutely gorgeous. As the day went on, you had to stay above the mid-stations. But the skiing's fantastic. Everybody coming out from Britain saying, oh, is there any snow? Is there any snow? There's fantastic snow. No one actually believed us until they actually got on the slopes. It was difficult in the afternoons for a few weeks, but that's all. How much skiing do you manage to get? I do about two hours a week. So not as much as I would like to be doing, not as much as I should be doing. I knackered my back by skiing in the bumps for many years badly. And um, so my back is slightly sore. But uh, I still, if it's a sunny day, I manage to fit in a couple of hours. Well, certainly we managed yesterday to have some quite remarkable skiing with peace in perfect condition. And um, we woke up this morning and I'm looking outside the window of the high street now. Just describe what it's like. Well, it's belting down snow. There's snow on all of the trees. There, I mean, it's snowed, what, 
six inches overnight, but more probably. And it had the day before and the day before that. Yesterday was a sunny day, but by the evening it was snowing again. It snowed, I think, on at least the last seven days. And good snow, right down to, right down to the lowest point, the bottom of Ladai, all the way down. The skiing is really good. In your 47 years, you can safely say that from the beginning of December until the beginning of May, skiing is guaranteed here? I suppose you can never say it's guaranteed, but there, I can't remember a year when it wasn't fantastic all the way through and there have been several years when it snowed more in april than any in any other month so that's very val d'isere so right through the season we do get good conditions and yeah i mean there are all sorts of little factors slightly nerdy factors that i think mean why val d'isere has exceptional so because it does on you know i i if i remember the public i wouldn't believe somebody in val d'isere saying oh we've got better snow than anywhere else but our altitude helps we are at 1850 meters there are other resorts that claim to be at 1850 meters which aren't val d'isere i won't name one of them ladai the very bottom of Ladai is at 1790. The church is at 1840. The gendarmerie is 1850. The lowest slopes start. The nursery slopes start at 1840. So the skiing here is genuinely above 1850 meters. So that helps. And how high does it go up? 3,003, is it? No, that's on the Mott, I think. Three, what, 3,000? 3,003? Yeah, it goes pretty high. I never go up there. You, you never actually need to unless you're skiing in June or July. Then, of course, we... We, we get more snow than pretty much anywhere else, even more than teen, I think. Just explain the auto um, d'est. Well, the, the prevailing winds come from the west, and we're just against the Italian border where there's a ridge of mountains. And the air seems, the wind seems to go into Italy, hook round, come back, and dump a whole lot of snow along our side of the border. I wouldn't believe it if somebody said this to me, but apparently it happens. So La Rosia gets it, we get it, Bonval gets it, Isola 2000, these resorts get this extra snow. But we keep it, and I think many of the other resorts, we're very north-facing. And again, you know, north, big deal, we're north-facing. But if you look at look up our valley, the south-facing slopes, which are on the north side of the valley, of course, are bare. All winter, pretty much, they're bare. And the south-facing slopes have got seven or eight feet of snow on them. It's extraordinary how much difference it makes just which way you're facing. And of course, on top of this uh, phenomenon called the Retour d'Est, where we get this narrow, narrow band of snow that comes in, we also have the, you, you also have the, the main snowfall, um, which comes in, obviously, from the Atlantic, like it does for every other resort. Yes. I don't think we get more than other resorts on that westerly snowfall, but it does last longer. And we've always skied into May, and there are not many resorts that, that can claim that. And then, of course, we've got what is, I think, France's, possibly Europe's best snow cannon network. Not just nearly 700 snow cannons, but the, the important thing is how much water you've got. And if you look at other resorts, they've mostly got a little stream running through them. For some reason, Val has got two pretty healthy rivers. The Isère coming down one side, the Calabodan coming down the other. I don't know where the hell they come from. Where does this water come from in the middle of winter? I don't understand it. But we do have a lot of water in Val and that means they can make a lot of snow. And what sort of thing did you do when you first came to Val What were you doing here? Were you a tour operator then? I was a dishwasher. I came to wash dishes in my first season. My second season, I was promoted from dishwasher to head of hydroceramic hygiene, which meant I had someone else who did the dishwashing. And, uh, and then after that, I finished up driving a van. And then against my will, I finished up a rep for a little company. And I just never left. And then you started your own company, YSE, in what year? End of 91, we opened. And went straight into the Olympics in 92, when 
we had to pay lots of extra rent because everyone was expecting Valdezet to be absolutely bursting for the Olympics. In fact, nobody came. It was, I think it was Conrad Bartelski in the Sunday Times who said, don't go to Valdezet during the Olympics. You won't even get in. There'll be such major traffic jams. There was nobody here. So we paid all this extra rent, had no guests at all. It nearly ruined us. But it was a fun couple of weeks. And you've gone on ever since. Yeah, yes. Well, touch wood, we're still surviving. Brexit and, and COVID threw a bit of a spanner in the works. And you no longer have uh, flights included in the price? We don't anymore. Partly because it re- nearly ruined us. When we were thrown out of France because of COVID, we still had to pay for our aircraft, which weren't flying. And then Brexit means that our, we're now treated exactly the same as people coming in from sub-Saharan Africa. We have to be tested for diseases and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, Brexit and, uh, and COVID caused us a few problems. But, but you're planning to carry on? Well, I've got children and I can't afford to stop. Do you stay here all year round or do you go somewhere hot? I live here most of the time, partly because I've had children that I needed to walk for the last 20 years and now I've got a dog I need to walk probably for the next 20 years. But I go off to Corsica for about a month every summer, get my my fill of sunshine and rudeness. (laughs) John, thank you very much indeed. Pleasure. If you want to know more about YSE or book one of their chalets, go to yseski.co.uk. Ski instructor Ken Smith, head of Progression Ski, one of the resort's most respected British ski schools, is, by comparison, almost a newcomer to Valdezar. So, Ken Smith, how long have you actually been in Valdezar? In terms of seasons, I think this is my 27th season working in Valdezar. But you've run a ski school for how long? Well, we opened in 2006 and I'd run a, a, another ski school prior to that. So we're fairly well established now and all looking good for the future. So you're in a very good position to tell me why Valdezé is such a really important resort. Perhaps becoming much more important has been. The obvious thing that we're seeing, particularly in the last couple of years, is that the higher resorts are benefiting because the lower resorts are suffering with a lack of snow. And Valdezé in particular whilst we're at 1850, when it's in itself is quite high, actually most of our, our skiing is actually again above 2,800. So with climate change and the change of the seasons, undoubtedly Valdezer is in a great position for both the quality of snow, the length of season, and it's a nice resort to be in. So we tick a lot of boxes actually. Yes, because there are quite a lot of resorts where the skiing actually, the best skiing is beneath the resort, whereas here it's definitely much higher up, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, we've got two glaciated areas. And, you know, one thing that's certainly changed in the last 10 years in particular, we've seen that some of the the run routes have changed. So they've been able to be quite picky about the, the way they've set up the resort and they've seen how the snowfall has changed and, and, and the areas in which we're getting stronger snowfalls. So by being higher and having a, a big ski area, undoubtedly it can be better managed. With a, with a large terrain, the operators can chop and change a little bit from season to season, depending on where the snow comes from and, and where it lies. So we've always got good options, always throughout the season. Even in the poor seasons, we've got good snow. It also has a glacier, of course, a small glacier, which last summer was quite damaged by the incredibly high temperatures. But uh, that seems to make 
quite a bit of recovery this winter. We've been in a lot of snowfall, hasn't there? In the last sort of 10 days, we've up top, we've had well over a metre of snow. In certain areas, we've had six metres of snow. But the coverage now is absolutely fantastic. Yes, there's a, a lot of talk going on at the moment that if you want to go skiing now, go to California because that's the only place with good snow. Not true. <laughs> absolutely not true at all. And if we look at it historically, albeit, yes, last season we had a very warm summer and that that winter w- wasn't a particularly good snow season. It was only four years ago that we had a skiing in June on the Belvard area, which isn't even a glaciated area. Yeah, they actually reopened the, the, the ski area after they closed it a month later because there was so much snow. Yeah, exactly. So, albeit that's a once-every-decade event, we do have these great snow seasons and even our worst seasons, this season in particular, where if you look at the stats, we've had poor snow, but the pace skiing from top to bottom has been absolutely fantastic. So in all of the years here, have you ever had a season when you can't ski, the resort closes or anything like that? No, I think the worst thing, the worst season we've ever had it may have been a sort of 10 day delay in the opening of the season and we're one of the earliest resorts in Europe to open normally the last weekend in November so a, you know, a week or a 10 day delay would be the absolute worst. We're definitely always open by let's say the 10th of December. I do believe that ski seasons are going forward, so to speak, that there's less snow at the beginning of the season and more snow at the end. It certainly looks like that today. Well, I'm not sure what the statistics are, but from my own personal perspective, over the past 27 years or so, undoubtedly it feels as if the snow is coming later. We definitely used to get a lot of snow in November. Now we're getting that big early snowfalls in early December. And then at the end of the season, we're getting big snowfalls and we've got more snowfall forecast. So it definitely feels as if the season's shifted rather than actually changed in that sense. Well, certainly skiing here today, all over the resort, I felt that it could well have been late February. Yeah, so I was up on Forney Glacier. It was probably minus one this morning, minus two. Snow was definitely December, January snow. It was blue sky, fantastic snow. Couldn't complain. So it was by chance that uh, you came here in the first place. I believe that in the future there will be a relatively small number of major resorts in Europe that where you can actually guarantee that there will be snow throughout the season. There's no question of that. And particularly late season, when people are still coming out for their Easter holidays, that's the obvious one. But early season as well, where we tend to get the keen skiers coming. Not in the same numbers as Easter, but anyone coming for late March and April will undoubtedly have to look at the higher resorts as a place to ski. But also they're going to have to be wise about it because some of the high resorts are very south facing. And that aspect is key because here in Val we have steep sided valleys, a lot of north facing pistes. So undoubtedly our, our skiing both on and off piste is somewhat protected by the changes that we're seeing. So tell us a bit about progression ski. Uh, well, I set up Progression Ski in 2006. Prior to that, I'd worked for a, a large ski school and we used to do a lot of group lessons and it was very much, dare I say, a factory school. And at that time, there was these large schools and then the very small schools, which were specialising in the private type lesson. And I definitely felt that at that time, there was a 
niche, a gap in the market for a high quality product which covered all levels of skiers. So we went out with the idea that we wanted to provide good quality group lessons for adults and kids from beginner all the way through to off-piste and free-ride skiers. And we've quietly built it up. And now we have 12 full-time instructors. And in a busy uh, high-season week, uh, we're up to 30 instructors, which tends to come about through uh, the previous full-time instructors coming back for a week here and there. Nice size where we can guarantee quality, but also offer a lot of options. And tell us about the new business you started. So I've set up a booking agency for chalets, hotels and self-catering apartments, mainly on the back of having genuine local knowledge of the products that are on offer from all the providers in resort. So whilst it's very easy to look on a website and find nice pictures of a chalet or a nice apartment or hotel, you don't actually know whether a ski in, ski out is actually at the bottom of a black run or at the end of a long path or if a self-catering apartment is close to a supermarket. So or indeed whether there's a ski shop nearby or indeed a, a lift nearby. Indeed. So simple things like, you know, is there a bus stop nearby for a self-catered family apartment? I know these things. It's that little insider knowledge and genuine understanding of the layout of the land in the resort itself that means that I can give a much better all-round picture and better advice than people might have generally have from somebody based in the UK, for example. Sounds good. So tell us the name of the uh, the agency. The, the agency is Alpine Exclusive. The website is alpineexclusive.com. And Progression Ski, if you don't want ski lessons in Badza, how do they get hold of you? Uh, well, the easiest way is, is online, so uh, on the website, progressionski.com. So there you have it. Our vision of the commercial future of skiing in Europe is centred around a handful of high-altitude superhubs where reliable snow cover is guaranteed throughout a season that is creeping slowly forwards. Valdezere is scheduled to open for 2023 on Saturday, December the 2nd. For more information, go to valdezere.com. That's all for now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our website, actionpacktravel.com, or you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or any of the many podcast platforms. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love you to sign up for our regular emails too at peter at actionpacktravel.com. Until next week, stay safe.